you can't be afraid to move and go somewhere else if, if you're at a place that's that's not safe. If you're an owner operator and you're and you're hooking up to a trailer and that trailer is not safe and and then you they tell you to go find another one and you go over and you look at the next trailer and it doesn't pass the sniff test and neither does the next one neither does the next one you're not in a good place and you need to find a way to get out of there and in a hurry you can't bother sticking around because it's your ass on the line if something happens yeah and even furthermore if they don't have the money to fix their trailers how long till they don't have the money to pay you as an owner operator even as a company driver and you know if you're an owner operator it comes back on you at the end of the day you know even as a uh, company driver it's all your abstract right even if they're paying the ticket it's on your abstract and i've got overweight tickets on my abstract that i didn't pay but every time i go to a, a new job they you know i gotta tell the story yeah like we were saying if you're at a place and the, they're already got an unsatisfactory rating or whatever i mean you do really need to do your homework when you go to find a carrier that you to make sure that they are on the up and up but it's pretty easy to be fooled honestly i mean I've, I've done it. Then I had to bounce. If you're a driver or a, an owner op, whatever, it's, it's incumbent on you to go find a place that's safe to work at. Yeah. And don't be afraid to bail out of somewhere, right? Like, so why you've only been there. Well, I, I quit somewhere on my first day. I didn't even make it out of the yard because the very first thing they wanted me to do was move a piece of equipment without a, without a permit in the city. I'm like, no, <laughs> oh, well, that's the way we do things. Okay. Well, that's not the way I do things. So then, yeah. Everybody needs to stay that have it in the back of their head that at the end of the day, it's you because there's lots of guys that get stuck at places and you just sit back yeah. and you shake your head and you're like, well, why are you still there? Oh, well, you know, well, they either haven't taken the time to go look for something or, or are listening to the, the company's never, never promises. Right. Or when, when dispatchers, and I say this because I've had it from personal experience, they just text you the permit number. Because technically, by law, that's all you need, right? It's the permit number. Well, in our area, uh, the Leduc scale is open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So you just pick up the phone and say, hey, I've got a permit number. Can you look it up for me? And I've had it before where I call in, hey, here's my permit number, blah, blah, blah. Like, uh, there's no permit of that. Like, that's that's not, that's oh, really? not a permit. That's, somebody just made that number up. And it happened more than once from the same dispatcher. Oh, wow. That's just pure laziness is what it is on their side. Well, I, I, guess I shouldn't say that, or maybe they're just not a, not being authorized to go buy permits. Who knows? But it, like, I mean, it takes so little time now. It's not like uh, 20 years ago to get a permit. Like you legitimately had to call the Alberta government scales and get it done. The fact that it had to be within the, within business hours. Yep. Now, I mean, you call 247 or any of these places and you can literally call them any time of the day your permits there and you know, 20 minutes, half an hour. Yeah, exactly. And at least for Alberta, that's Alberta and Saskatchewan. That's how it is. Like these guys that are running stateside, um, that's different. It's totally different down there still. But, oh yeah. Um, they, it's still a, a CYA thing at the end of the day, right? Like you gotta, that paperwork is what keeps you sane and safe. Right. And if you are working in one of these places that is an unsatisfactory carrier, you need to be aware of, even if you're crossing all your T's and dotting your I's, you're still putting yourself in the line of fire every time you come across a DOT. That's that's just how it is, right? Yeah. It was said to me once and I and I've quoted it over and over again. It's not what we pull you over for that we're gonna nail you on ninety percent of the time. 
And that's a DOT. That's a friend of mine said that. And, and it's true. I mean, and so if you've got that little unsatisfactory rating, then that's something to pull you over for. You might have all your ducks in the line, but you've got one little thing that you didn't realize is, is off and they happen to find it. Boom. You're getting a fine. No, exactly. That's, they look at all everything before they pull you in. And that's even as uh company drivers you gotta run a run a clean ship right keep it keep it looking at least it doesn't have to shine but at least it needs to be clean you know oh yeah it's it goes back to what we said about uh, how you present yourself and how you represent yourself i mean your truck's a representation of you and that's not just if you're if you're a company driver your truck's a representation of you if i open the truck and and there's dust so thick in there that I choke as I'm opening the door and the windows are dirty and everything else. Well, if you're willing to let one thing go, you're probably willing to let a lot of other shit go, right? Yeah. What does the DOT think? Exactly. <laughs> or what does the customer think too, right? Because you clearly aren't taking care of your stuff. So why would you take care of their stuff that you're hauling? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's important to put just to have the image of keeping the truck clean and everything else. And I think you, I also think you feel better when when your workspace is clean. I 100% agree with that. I've been having really shitty days and the guy pulls into the wash bay and pulls out clean and it's a good day all of a sudden. I used to have to swap trucks when I was a kid. I mean, I'd, I'd jump into every truck that everybody else didn't want to drive. And, and so every time you got into that truck, I mean, it'd be like the 86 General I got, there was literally uh, half an inch of dust on it, like on the inside. And so I cleaned that truck up. I mean, I got it to where it was actually pretty decent inside. I mean, it was still an 86 General, but at the same time, it was it was clean. And I actually felt pretty damn good driving it. I mean, I'd love to have it now, of course. So, yeah, it's it's what you put into it. You get And you get that back out of it, too. Yeah, 100%. I don't know. There's, there's so much to it as an industry that uh, ways that you can make your, separate yourself from the crowd or the proper way to do it, the old school way of doing it, right? You know, like if you yeah. want to truck down the road in sweatpants and a t-shirt, whatever, you do you, boo. But pull over before you get to the customer, put on some jeans, you know? Like my, myself, I, I wear a button-up shirt every day when it's not minus 40 outside, right? Yeah. Just as, a, yeah, just a professionalism thing, right? Totally. It's how you carry yourself, right? And it shows good for your customer, shows good for and for the general motoring public to see people look like professionals. Yeah, exactly. I don't think we need to go back to wearing uniforms, although like back then, those truckers did look like professionals. There was no slobby looking guys in. They wouldn't last. And that's exactly it. I I agree. Like We don't need to go back to uniforms. We need to get away from leisure pants and flip-flops. I had a push truck driver, and he's going to hear this and laugh, but uh, <laughs> I had a push truck driver when I was down south, and whatever his whole life he grew up wearing shorts in the summertime shorts and sneakers and it drove me nuts every day at work i would give him shit um you know like this is a workplace where we're pulling a really big wagon down the road and everybody is watching us so you getting out in your basketball shorts and sneakers is really not good for the rest of us um and then he ended up starting wearing pants because uh he got walked in the long grass and got some ticks but <laughs> um, you know, and even after that, he he did that for a couple of weeks, and then he comes back up to me. And he's like, you know, I, I noticed a difference. We'll be instead of before when we would walk up to whoever, right, light turners or line lifters or whatever, they always look directly to me 
the guy that's wearing the nice shirts and the jeans because I'm clearly running the show, right? Yeah. And then he starts what it's he starts wearing jeans and and you know his work boots, and now all of a sudden everybody takes him a little more seriously. So, um, I don't know if he holds that to this day, but I still we still talk all the time, and I give him a hard time. He'll he'll give me a hard time about hearing this, but that's fine. Like if I'm going to the Okanagan or something. Like I wear, I, I honestly, I'd wear a golf shirt and golf shorts. It ha- the appearance has a lot to do with it, and and I think it's something that they need to. No, they, I think, as an industry, we can do better. It's the first step in a long, a long list of ways to get back to professionalism and carrying yourself as a professional. You know, like the way you dress, hell, the way you park at the truck stop, right? <laughs> How clean your truck is, everything like that, right? And it, if we were all a little more professional, it would make everybody's life a lot easier because when we pull in at night and we've all been there pulling at two in the morning to the truck stop and you see a bunch of guys that are parked and you think, well, if three of these guys would have parked smarter, then we'd have one more space. And if there's 60 mm-hmm. trucks on the truck stop, you're talking, you know, 10, 15 extra spaces. We can just all help each other out. We're all in this together, right? Oh, yeah. I actually saw that, like, the other day in Saskatoon, it's, it's easy to, you know, just do one more back and forth and get over another foot. Then you're good. Right. Yeah. You must've been at the flying J in Saskatoon. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was there the week before actually. And, <laughs> uh, and same thing. And, and you know, it's not just that you got to think of others a little bit too, right? Like we all have different skill levels. I can back up super beast. not great, but I can do it. So if I pull in and there's five pull through spaces and, 10 back-end spaces, I'll use a back-end space. And I did it in Saskatoon at the J, actually. Yeah. And uh, I parked there. I sat there. I was parked early. I was slacking that day. I think I parked at like 4.30, 5 o'clock. And uh, I went in and showered and had dinner and then, you know, let everybody kind of figure their stuff out. And just the way I was backed in, obviously being a Super V next to a bunch of van trailers, I was sticking way out, right? And uh, it was probably 10:30 at night. I whatever took the dog for a walk and found a pull-through spot, and I went over and grabbed that, just on the fact that I almost had my front end taken off like six times in that. <laughs> because again, coming back to the professionalism, right? Like if I don't feel like I'm in danger sitting in this spot, then somebody else could have had that pull-through spot. But you get these guys that have got to be in sixth gear to go through the parking lot, right? And it's just ridiculous. Yeah, oh, I was a. Uh, it was in a loves and. I was back in there, just went in for lunch, come back out and jumped in my truck and was just kind of getting my e-log up and, and ready to go. And like three spaces down from me, there's this truck and he starts peeling out of the lot. You could back a Super B in on a corner to get in there. Like there's lots of space between this row that I'm in and then the next row up. This guy wheels out of there, turns it like he's got a half ton with no trailer, drags the back two axles of his trailer over top of the front of the guy's Peterbilt beside him. Oh. Like he, he caught the front end and kicked the front end over and he kept going. And luckily one of the guys who was farther down actually saw him was sitting in his truck and pulled his truck out and pulled in front of him and stopped them from leaving the parking lot. Jeez. According to the guy, he didn't even feel it. So I don't know. His truck must ride a hell of a lot better than mine. Cause if I run over a speed bump, I know it and not the front end of a long nose Pete. Yeah. Right. Either that or that long nose Pete was really slammed to the ground. <laughs> even so i like to i like to think i'd feel it yeah you would hope right <laughs> and i i think a lot of the because it's gotten worse the general truck stop driving in the recent years and i kind of want to contribute it to the automatics because these guys get in their trucks so they just put their foot down and there's no nothing to make them think about hey i'm actually 
in sixth gear going through this parking lot, right? It's automatics, maybe, and it's uh, and tight deadlines. I mean, if you're, if you're not managing your time well, you're you're always up against a deadline. And I mean, I understand there are dispatchers out there that give unreal timelines, and and that's no fault of the driver. I get it, but at the same time, you, you put yourself in that position by working there. But if you're not managing your time and you're always under the gun, yeah, well, then you're flying through the parking lot, or or you're the guy that pulls pulls ahead of the pump or just jumps out at the pump and runs in and gets his food and does his business while the truck's sitting there. Cause you don't have the 10 extra minutes or five extra minutes to go across the parking lot back in and then walk inside. And maybe I'm going to get on my soapbox there, about my pet peeves at truck stops. But... Oh no, I can, I agree with you a hundred percent on all that. It, again, I think I already said this. If you're thinking about being professional and acting like a professional and it's on the top of your, you know, do list, if you will. Your headspace isn't just, oh, I'm going to drive this down the road and I'm going to get it there and I'm going to be on time and I'm going to make a paycheck. If your headspace is more, I'm going to get this down the road. This is my name in the industry. Even if you're a company driver, you've still got a name in the industry. Yeah. And I'm going to be professional about it. Then I think you'll have a lot better luck. Oh, absolutely. And the person that grasped that early is going to go a lot further than the person who is just, I'm here to make a dollar and that's all I'm here for. Or if you're in that headspace too, that all you want to do is get home, right? If, yeah. If it's Monday morning and you're going out on a 12 day trip and you're just thinking about getting home, you're not going to enjoy your, your 12 day trip at all. Oh, totally, man. Everybody wants to be at home. There's no question, but you need to not have that be the whole focus and, all you're doing is planning Friday. What's your What's your life like during the week if all you can do is wait for Saturday? Exactly, exactly. And you're just setting yourself up for frustrations, right? Because what if? Yeah. Now, what if do you do get delayed a day or two? Well, now you're super mad. Yeah. Whereas I I learned and it took me I learned this one the hard way, but the less you get worked up about stuff that is totally beyond your control, the easier life's going to be. And going working side by side with a guy that he had just come into the industry and I was, I don't know, five years into it at the time, I think. So I didn't have anything figured quite figured out, but I had more than he did. Right. Um, and you can, you can tell him anywhere you go, they're the guys getting frustrated and yelling at the fuel pumps. Yeah. Right. Stuff like that. And it's like, man, why, why you're just <laughs> you're working yourself up over nothing. It is what you make it. And if you're putting energy into being grumpy, that's less energy that you've got to put into going down the road and making some money. You really are a product of what you think. I still love trucking. I, I like doing it. I like being, I like getting out there and being on the road. There's days that I'm not having as much fun as others. It's still something I enjoy doing. If I didn't, I'd have to find another way to make, make a living. Well, exactly. And it's, for me personally, and I, I'm pretty sure you're the same as it's way more than just a living, right? It's all my friends are truck drivers. Everybody that I'm friends with is in the industry. Well, I wouldn't say everybody, but 95% of everybody I'm friends with is in the industry. I've got plenty of friends that aren't. I'm different in that fashion. Like I like the industry as a whole and I enjoy driving. I also enjoy my time selling trucks. I like selling services as well. I mean, there's all kinds of ancillary jobs there that are really good jobs as well. You, you have to enjoy it. If you're not enjoying it, you got to switch or else you just end up hating, uh, hating the job, hating just, you're not, you're not fun to be around. Yeah. And you're just going to get yourself into a bad headspace. Yeah. And that's something that 
especially guys new into the industry really need to pay attention to. Trucking is way too much time on your own. You need to find ways to control yourself going to that dark space that everybody has, right? I've looked at a lot of the a lot of the melt training, and I've looked at a lot of what uh, driving schools and that provide. I don't think there's anybody out there that provides anything to to talk to people about the metal game, really. They haven't even figured out how to teach them how to drive a fucking truck yet, even with this <laughs> melt thing. You know, it's it's great. It's it's a step in the right direction, but. Being here in the Prairie Provinces, 90% of our general freight goes down the road on a Super B. Why is there nothing about a Super B in the melt training? Well, in in my opinion, is that you shouldn't be coming out of melt training and onto a Super B anyways. You should be coming out of melt training and going into pulling a five axle, and that should be it. Oh, at most, you come out of melt training and go into a fucking uh, five ton in the city. Yeah, I mean, we need to keep working to get to where it's more graduated. I mean, they graduate licenses in Europe, and, and it works, right? Like, you can't just go get a, uh, I don't even know what their equivalent is over there, but you can't just go get the drop, get the license. You have to have time and a body job before you can go pull a trailer, and that makes sense. Yeah, my mom grew up in Scotland, and uh, don't know anything about their commercial side, but there you have you get your motorcycle license first, and then you have to have it for I don't know, just pulling numbers here is like two years, and then you go from that to getting your car license, which is good because now everybody in a car has been on a motorcycle, yeah. So everybody plays nicer together, right? And I think even their motorcycle licenses are graduated. Like you can't go out and buy a leader bike when you get your motorcycle license. Like I think you're limited to like 250 cc's. Yeah, there's a learner's stage there. Yeah, start out in a five ton and and get some experience. Like back in the day, people didn't just cut you loose for the sake of cutting you loose. Like, oh, good, we got another guy with a license. Well, hey, go to the coast with a with a loaded set of trains in December. Yeah, exactly. Like I I started out hauling gravel in the winter time but with an end dump and I was the only end dump driver. There's a fleet of six super V like side end dump combinations. And, uh, yeah. I was always the first one back because I was young and didn't know how to manage my time. Right. So these guys were always getting a load more than me, but, uh, then everybody else would come back and they just pull their button at the gate gate. You go park that one. And then I'd park, you know, the whole fleet. And that's how I learned. Yeah. And it helps you, right? It was, a, it was a help take it in stride and, and go learn something, right? So. Yeah, it's funny you say that. Cause I, that that never even crossed my mind, actually. Yeah, I mean, it comes back, we said it a bunch of times, it's, it's where your head's at, right? All in your headspace. Yeah. And that's like we said about music. Music will, will get you into a better spot a lot of times. If you do go down a bad road, you gotta a person's got to figure out what their triggers are that'll get them back to, to feeling normal again. Yeah, and... And I really noticed that coming in, like going out on my own and uh, anybody that's listened and followed us here knows uh, how my first month or two was on my own. And uh, I found myself, yeah, same thing. Like I'll admit it, I was in a dark, a dark spot and uh, wasn't enjoying it, nothing like that. And I talked to my buddy that, that has been on his own for a while and is very fortunate to have that, that open relationship with him, right? And uh, he helped me through that and uh, and got me on the right side of things again and figuring it out for myself too. the music thing, like we were mentioning earlier. Um, my truck, it, it's an old truck. Uh, I got an auxiliary cord that works ish and uh, like two out of eight speakers that work. So um, <laughs> as many people might tell me it's silly, but one of the first things I'm doing once uh, I get some money in the bank here right away 
is uh, just putting a, whole, a new new sound system in it because if you're driving down the road thinking about how your truck's going to break down and how you don't have any money for the for it if it does break down and then on top of that all you can listen to is your motor because your radio don't work and that it snowballs on a guy really quick <laughs> you start hearing things that aren't there even sometimes oh yeah yeah i totally i totally get that man i my stereo works it works i mean it's good um but there's things about it that bother me and so i was talking to another friend who has a 5700 and i was asking him questions about you know how's your stereo and if you thought about upgrading did you get a sub in yours so and he quickly messaged me back said yeah it was the first thing i did i put eight thousand dollars worth of new stereo equipment in my truck when i bought it yeah i went uh one of my hi- hiatuses from heavy hauling i went and drove that flat top pete for uh for crozier there hauling hauling swamp mats and everybody was like, oh, how'd you go from heavy hauling to swamp mats? And yeah, same thing. That truck had like a $9,000 stereo, flip-out touchscreen deck, subs, aftermarket. It was great. <laughs> Best time ever, you know? You you leave Edmonton and at, you know, 9 o'clock at night going to Fort St. John, you're like, oh, this sucks. But then you turn the tunes up and start rattling the back wall of the bunk, and you're like, all right, yeah, <laughs> let's, let's go trucking. So uh, it's something something that i i got to address on mine like i've got it's weird because my truck is the canadian class so it's got concert edition stereo it's got a sub all that stuff but just half of them don't work so i'm gonna peel my headliner down and i gotta redo my cb and my two-way so i'll just do it all at once new cb new two-way new stereo and i'll be styling 